Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. God's blessings are like a river. They fill the city of God with joy. That city is the holy place where the Most High God lives. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. Good morning. Good to see everybody this weekend. I'm glad that you guys are here. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt. I serve as a lead pastor here. And man, there's so much going on in the low country this weekend between the Bridge Run and the Flower Town Festival. We got the Volvo Car Open Tennis Tournament coming up. And so you guys had a lot of options. We're glad that you guys chose to worship with us this weekend. And if you're a Gamecock fan, as a Clemson fan, I can tell you I was pulling for you last night and I'm pulling for you tonight. So if you're here in mourning or in anticipation, you're in a safe place. Uh, we're glad everybody is, is with us. Want to shout out to all of our campuses or if you're watching us behind any kind of a screen, we are so glad that you're here this weekend, especially North Charleston campus. I was talking to their campus pastor, Jeff Leinberger. This week, I know on Thursday, they had over 80 volunteers that showed up uh, to work on seven different service projects in the area, including, I think, 30 of the volunteers were from Palmetto Christian Academy, and Jeff sent me some pictures. That's them kind of gathering and praying, and then they went out and basically cleaned up. Uh, so they found areas, uh, here's a toilet out in the yard, uh, which that may have been my yard. Um, but uh, th So they just got together in smaller groups and went through the neighborhood and just cleaned up and served their city. And I know uh, Saturday, I think they had 70 volunteers doing a city sweep as well, and uh, just proud of the Dream Center. Let's give it up for the Dream Center, always making a difference in their community. Also, uh, if you're watching online, uh, or, or maybe at our Columbia campus, uh, Chris Russo was telling me another cool story about a woman that they call Miracle Maria. And two years ago, on Palm Sunday, so this next weekend will be Palm Sunday, two years ago, uh, she called the church and asked if she could get baptized on that Sunday morning. And on that Sunday morning, she didn't show up, and uh, they got a phone call from her sister that she had collapsed, and they didn't know what was going on. And by the time church was over, uh, they had declared her brain dead. And so her sister called, and Pastor Chris Russo and Abby went to the hospital, and they went ahead and baptized her in the hospital because they knew that was what her wishes were, and they prayed over her and, and said goodbye to her. And then the following Sunday... Uh, which was Easter Sunday, she was still in the hospital, she woke up, like all of a sudden woke up. And so they call her Miracle Maria, and she's been watching, she's moved, moved from Columbia, but she's been watching online, and that was such a cool story. A lot of great things happening here and at our campuses. So we're glad you guys are with us. Uh, I wanna mention one more thing uh, before we continue. Uh, and this is, if you're new to Seacoast, maybe checking out Seacoast for the very first time this weekend, please know that we're glad that you're with us. I wanna take about two minutes and talk to our church family just to give an update on a project that we are involved in called the Imagine Campaign. About a year and a half ago, actually it was January, so a little over a year ago, we announced to the church that at the campus that I'm standing in right now, the, the Long Point campus, especially during the later services on Sunday morning, we are just at capacity. Our 10 o'clock service is crazy. We've had... Uh, this past Christmas Eve, we had 11,000 people come. This past Easter, we had 12,000 people come on this site, and we have about 1,280 seats in this worship center. And so we decided as a church, we can either kind of coast from here and say 
uh, to the people who are moving into our city that this is not gonna be the church for them or, or we're gonna expand and make room for them. And so we decided to do that. And so we're in a project called Imagine. We're gonna be building a 2,500 seat worship center that'll be right off the edge of the building. And if you drove into the parking lot today, you probably noticed that the parking lot's getting close. They're gonna pave it this week. Uh, so we're doing a new parking lot so that we can make room for the spaces that we will lose when we build the building. Um, and so it'll be paved this week. And then by the end of this month, we're hoping to be able to break ground on the actual building. And so our board of trustees set out some financial benchmarks for us in order for us to proceed with this project in a healthy way. The first one was that we would raise $4 million before we started on the parking lot. And you guys were incredible, so generous, and we were able to raise that money. We did the parking lot, and now uh, we need to raise an additional $4 million in order to break ground on the building. So a total of $8 million. And uh, as of right now, we are at $7.1 million of that $8 million that we've, we've raised, which is awesome. Think about that for a minute. That's you guys as a church, and just over a year, just sacrificially giving above and beyond what you normally do. It blows my mind that you guys are invested in this. And so I wanna say thank you for your generosity, but then also to tell you, that's $900,000 that we have left between now and we're hoping to break ground by the end of this month, uh, but we're not gonna break ground until we, we cross over that $8 million threshold. So just to say to our church family, thank you for giving and then to ask you to consider, consider to continue to give, especially this month as we hit that, that uh, benchmark. And again, if you're new to the church, please know we're doing this for you. Uh, we're doing this so that we'll have room for you. Please feel no obligation to be a part of this program. This is uh, something I wanna talk to our church family about. Would you guys pray with me and then we'll jump into this week's message. God, we thank you. Thank you for this weekend. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you have given us such a beautiful weekend to come and to worship you. And uh, God, we haven't come to just sing songs and, and listen to a message. God, we've came to encounter a living God. And so we just invite you by your presence to show up this weekend. God, we pray that you would change our hearts, Lord, that you would uh, just reveal your truth to us in a powerful, powerful way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, uh, a question for you as we get started. How many of you have ever taken a wrong turn uh, driving? Anybody, anybody ever done that before? Okay, most all of us. How many of you have ever done it and not realized it for a while? Uh, this is pre-iPhone, pre right? Now Siri will let you know at every point when she thinks you've gotten off track. But a couple of years ago, it's actually been probably 10 years ago, my wife and I were going to Philadelphia. I was doing a wedding uh, for some friends up in Philadelphia. And so we were driving up I-95 uh, to get to to Philadelphia, and I had done all the driving to that point. We got to Washington, D.C., and we stopped to get some gas, and Lisa was like, hey, let me take the next leg of the journey. I said, okay, that's great. I'd love for you to do that, and so I jumped in the passenger seat. She started driving, and I was working on my wedding and uh, script, and we were talking about, you know, we are excited to be kind of on a, a road trip, getting away, and about an hour later, I started noticing some signs that we were getting closer and closer to Roanoke, Virginia. Um, <laughs> Now, if you know your geography, I actually brought it just to show you. Um, so Washington, D.C. is here. Philadelphia is here. Roanoke is down here. And so we had apparently taken a little bit of a, a, a wrong turn, and uh, not to throw her under the bus by any means, but she was driving. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's frustrating, you know, to backtrack. Nobody likes to backtrack. You know, you feel like you're wasting time. And, uh, but, but most of us have done that from time to time while driving, but it's, it's a little bit of a bigger deal when that happens to us in other areas of our lives, more important areas of our lives. Take a wrong turn. Sometimes it's as simple as saying something. Maybe you've been in that moment with your significant other and you, you, you say something and the minute it comes out of your mouth, you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back. I'm gonna have to do some backtracking now. 
Uh, and, and we've done that from time to time. Or maybe uh, you, you invested a long time, years of your life in a relationship. And you thought that this was the one, this was the person that you were gonna spend the rest of your life with. And after years of investment, you realize that it's not gonna work out. You feel like you're starting all over. Some of you know what that feels like. Could be that you've pursued something in business or an investment or just a dream that you've, you, you, you could have sworn that you heard God clearly on it and you get down the road on it and it's just not working out the way that you had planned and you feel like you kind of have to start over. Could be anything in our lives. Good news is that if you're here today, maybe some of you are even in that moment right now. You feel like, man, I feel like I've taken some, some wrong turns in my life. I know last night after service, talked to a woman who has lived in Charleston for just a couple of months and moved here because her boyfriend convinced her that it was the right thing and they broke up a few weeks ago and she's like, I, just don't, I don't even know. I feel, I feel like I've taken a wrong turn and I, I'm just looking for God to show up and give me direction for where to go from here. The good news is that, that we're gonna study a story this weekend that God, I believe, is gonna speak to some of us who might be in that situation or in that circumstance. It's a, a great story out of the Old Testament. Uh, we're in a series right now. We're in week 14 of a series called Year in the Word. This is kind of odd for us. Normally, we do three or five-week series based on topics. We always study God's Word, but usually it's based on some topics. Uh, this year, we're going the whole year. So we're doing a 52-week series going through the Bible. And, uh, and, and some of you, just to kind of Speak to those of you who maybe have given up already. Uh, listen, don't feel bad. Leviticus has taken down many a well-intentioned Bible reader, okay? And so if you're in the church and you started strong, but you maybe feel like you fizzled out, don't give up, don't stop, just start over. That's what's great about it. Every week, it's Sunday, on the back of your outline sheet, we've got this week's reading. You can jump back in. And we're gonna study a story today that was in Numbers chapter 22. And this story is so bizarre and so entertaining I believe it's God's reward for getting through the book of Leviticus, honestly. I believe he, he had a prize for us in Numbers 22 uh, of a story where, where a man finds some direction from a very odd place. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you, the story ends with this man named Balaam, who's a prophet, getting in a, a verbal argument with a donkey after he had beaten it several times. And so it's just a great story. You're gonna love it. Uh, but in it, God's got some really cool truths for us. And so we're gonna jump into it. But before we do, I wanna give you a little bit of context so the last time we were in the Old Testament uh, was about a month ago here on the weekend where Pastor Greg talked about the building of the tabernacle. You remember that? The people of Israel had, had escaped the slavery that they were in in Egypt. They'd crossed over the Red Sea and, and they were building a tabernacle that was basically a mobile tabernacle that would go with them as they traveled through the wilderness. And today when we pick up this story, we've actually about 40 years have passed. The, the people of Israel have wandered through the wilderness. There have been some incredibly bizarre stories that just, I mean, some really cool things that have happened, some really odd things that have happened, but now they're getting ready to go into the promised land. They're getting ready to finally get to where, where God had called them to be, and many of the original people have died. In fact, everybody who was over the age of 20 when they escaped Israel have, have passed away, and now they're moving in to the promised land. And, and on their way, they had to travel through some different countries. And so as they traveled through the countries, they've already encountered some resistance. They've had a few battles. And fortunately, unlike the Gamecocks, they did win their battles. They, they, they experienced victory in those battles. That was mean. I'm so sorry. I really was pulling for them, and I really, really did want them to do it. But, but so the people of Israel, they've, they've, they've whooped some enemies. And now, in Numbers chapter 22, we get dropped into the perspective 
of the next country that they're getting ready to have to go through. And it's a, a place called Moab. And so we get dropped into their perspective. There's a king named Balak, who is the king of Moab. And, and so we pick up the story there. So these people have seen what's happened already and they're a little bit terrified about what's gonna happen. So let's, let's look at it together. It says, now Balak, remember that's the king of Moab, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. That was the last town. And Moab was terrified because there were so many people that were coming. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde is gonna lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So as you can imagine, they're afraid. They're afraid of what's getting ready to happen. They've seen what Israel has done and they're concerned. An interesting part of this story, if, if, if you don't know the context, you may miss it, is that they actually had no reason to be afraid. The, 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 the king of Moab had no reason to be afraid. He made assumptions about the intentions of the people of Israel that weren't even true. See, Moses, when, as the leader of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, which we're gonna get into in a couple of weeks, God had given them specific instructions not to mess with the people of Moab. Look what, what it says. It says, then the Lord said to me, this is Moses, do not harass the Moabites or provoke them to war, for I will not give you any part of their land. I have given our to the descendants of Lot as a possession. And so all of this fear and all of this concern and the story that we're getting ready to read unravels because they made assumptions about a group of people that weren't even true in the first place. How many of you have ever done that before? You've made an assumption about people's motives and, and it's caused maybe a fight in a marriage. I know I have a testimony on that a few times over the years. Don't make assumptions about what other people's intentions are. It gets them into a lot of trouble in this particular story. And so, Let's jump in. Divine direction from a donkey. That's what I've titled this message, divine direction from a donkey. And maybe God's gonna give you some direction today based on this incredible story. So a couple things that we can learn as we jump into the story. The first one is a principle that if, we will, if we'll take this to heart, it will save us a lot of heartache in our lives. It's, it's never a good idea to be against what God is for or for what God is against. Never, not sometimes, Never, it's never a good idea to be against what God is for or for what God is against. So, so here's what happens. Balak, this king, he's, remember, he's got wrong assumptions. He's freaking out. And so he, what he does is he, he starts to scheme up a plan. And he says, I know about a, a prophet, a diviner, a, a guy who knows how to speak to gods. His name is Balaam. And, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna send our people to go find this man, Balaam, who's a prophet, and we're gonna get him to just speak a curse over these people. He realizes that he can't beat the people of Israel without God's help, and so he hires some help. He sends some money and some people to go down to Balaam and to say, hey, would you just speak a curse over these people of Israel? Now, that might not sound bizarre to you, but can you imagine that from God's perspective, this request? Hey, would you please put a curse on your own children? Like, no, no, I'm not gonna get, put a curse on my own people. But, but so they send these people, and here's what happens. Uh, they, they, they go to Balaam, and God said to Balaam, no, don't go with these people. You must not put a, put a curse on these people. Why? Because they're blessed. I've already blessed these people. These are my children. I, I can't curse them. And they came to Balaam and said, well, actually, I, I'll, re, I'll read you that in a second. What happens is Balaam, this is the first attempt, Balak sends his people, Balaam says, no, I, I can't do it. And so the people go back to the king. By the way, that's about a 400 mile 
trek. So think from Charleston to Orlando, Florida. Um, and they're on donkeys and horses. And so this is a lot of time wasted trying to do something, trying to make God do something that he's not gonna do. And so the king's like, well, I'm not gonna take no for an answer. It's a danger when you have wealth and you have resources. Sometimes you try to force God's will when it's not the case. And he says, so here's what we'll do. Let's sweeten the pot. Let's sweeten the pot a little bit. I'm gonna send even better people and I'm gonna send even more money and we're gonna bribe Balaam to do what we want them to do. And that's when they come back a second time. And, and this is where the, the, they come back to Balaam and they said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me. No, no, don't even let God keep you from coming. Listen, w- w- we need you here because I will reward you handsomely and I'll do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I couldn't do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. That sounds good, right? That sounds like what you would want a prophet to say. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but now spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord might tell me. Spend the night here so I can find out what else the Lord might tell me. Why did Balaam ask him to spend the night again? Didn't he already know the answer? He'd already asked God about this. What, God, what do you want me to do? God told him clearly, don't go with these people. Why, why would he have asked him to spend the night again? The only thing that has changed in the circumstance is that there was more money on the table. That, that, that there was a, a better option. There, that there was more money. He's been enticed by a bribe. And, and contrary to popular belief, God, God doesn't often change his mind. God wasn't gonna change his mind on this. You know, our culture would love for us to think that God's changed his mind on some things these days. That's why we're going through a year in the word, so that we can be a people, we can be a church who is grounded, who knows what God has spoken about. He's spoken about our our sexuality. He's spoken about his will in our lives. He's spoken about what he wants us to do. He's not changed his mind about these things. But here we have a king of Moab, and we have now a prophet of God that have chosen to, to try to make something happen, to stand against somebody that God has already clearly said that he's for. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to make something happen that wasn't God's will? Maybe you're, you're married to, to somebody. And, and over the years, you've drifted a little bit in that relationship. And, and maybe you've met somebody and you're beginning to experience some feelings for that person. And, and you know that you're married, but you also know that there's something enticing about pursuing uh, th- those feelings. And the truth is, is that if you ask enough people, if you kind of run that idea by enough people, eventually you'll find somebody that'll say, hey, go with your heart there. Do what feels right. But, but God's word is clear on what's right and what's wrong in that circumstance. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's tax time, right? April 15th is coming, and maybe as you go through your taxes, you find that, that blank receipt from the Goodwill store or, or Habitat for Humanity, and you're like, man, I can't remember what exactly I donated. I wanna say it was a yacht. Let's say it was <laughs> 200,000 or so, you know? And kind of fudge a little bit on, on, on the tax returns. It's like, man, you, you know, you're trying to force a little bit of extra violating God's will along the way. Could be with your kids. You know, I know we struggle with this all the time. You, you, you tell them clearly, if you do this again, there's gonna be a consequence. They do it again. And the consequence is like, man, I don't wanna do that. That's gonna be inconvenient for me. I know that my yes should be my yes and 
Ultimately, I'm teaching my kids whether they can take me for my word or not, but, 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 but it can be hard sometimes as a parent. So often we do it. Sometimes we open the door to sin in our lives just out of curiosity, just because we wanna explore something. Ultimately, it's gonna lead us to a place where it's gonna hurt us. So the king sends his people 400 miles twice trying to make something happen that's outside of God's will. And, and Balaam was totally on board with God's will until the price was right, until the price was right. That's, that's what I love about this church. You know, uh, we, we have a legacy that uh, no matter what people give here at the church, the vision is not for sale. Our pastor, our founding pastor, Greg Surratt, tells a story sometimes, and I love it. Early on in the church, uh, we were in our first building campaign. We were trying to buy the land that we're on right now. We'd been meeting in a, a school, and there was somebody in our church who had a lot of resources, who gave significantly more than anybody else in the church, and that person set up an appointment with, with Pastor Greg and said, hey, I love the church, I love giving to the church, but there's some things about your worship that I'd love to see changed. And by the way, I'm not just speaking for myself, I'm speaking for some other people here. And so if you'll make some of these changes, we'd love to continue to give and be a part of that. And without hesitation, my, my dad, Greg, said, you know what, our worship's not for sale here. I'm so sorry. And that person left our church and has never given a dime since then. But you know what, God's taking care of our church. And, and that's the danger of what Balaam did is he was putting God's vision and God's will up for sale and that, that'll never happen here. I, lo I love that. But, but we gotta be careful. Balaam was getting ready to learn a, a, a tough lesson the hard way. We talk about this verse a lot. This is a great passage of scripture in Romans 8. It says, what then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And that's an encouraging thought. But the reverse of that is true. When we begin to stand in opposition, when we begin to take a stand for things that God is against, we enter into a dangerous, dangerous territory. So it's never a good idea to be against what God is for or to be for what God is against. Second thought as we look at the story is that when we step out of God's will, he will often put roadblocks in the way to get our attention. When we step out of God's will, when we take a wrong turn, often he's gonna send us some signs. He's gonna show us that we've taken a wrong turn. Look what he did in this story. So Balaam decides, I'm gonna go with you, and he begins to go back to entertain this bribe. And it says, but God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. And so literally, he's on the road, he's traveling back to this king, and it says God literally set an angel in the road to stand against him. God wasn't happy with Balaam. This was a man who claimed that he wasn't gonna go against God with his lips, but with his actions, he, he did. And his resolve was slipping, and God knew it. Balaam's greed was blinding him to God's will in his life. And, and sometimes God will, will even stand in the road to oppose us. If, if, if he knows that the direction that we're going in is ultimately gonna bring about harm, in our lives, and that's what he did for Balaam. The problem is, Balaam didn't notice it. And sometimes we can do that, we get in cruise control. I made the decision, especially those of us who are type A leaders, you know, we make a decision that's like, man, I'm going, I'm making this happen. And, and, and we ignore some of those warning signs that God puts in our way. Have you ever noticed how we always have time for God when, when we need him, when we've got questions? But in this case, God wanted some of Balaam's time and he didn't have time for him. He didn't notice what was going on. 
I know he probably got frustrated when things weren't going according to plan. How many of you get frustrated when things don't go according to plan? I know I do. Sometimes if we would just pause long enough to go, I wonder if this is a warning sign. Could this be a, a roadblock? Could this be something that God has allowed to be in my way so that, so that I can stop and, and pay attention and, and listen for his voice? Sometimes when we get out of God's will, he'll put a roadblock to stop us. A third thought for us is when God puts a roadblock in your path, don't beat someone else up for it. Don't beat someone else up for it. Don't be elbowing your spouse right now. I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. This is where the story gets, gets pretty interesting. Let's, let's check it out together. So they're on this path. He's riding on his donkey, and an angel comes in, into play. It says, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. How many of you know that's probably a good idea? The donkey saw an angel, and it turns. Now, think about this for a minute. Balaam is traveling with these incredibly noble men and women from, from the king's court. And so he's like all confident. He's sure of himself. God, I, I'm a man of God, and I'm gonna bring God's word for you. And all of a sudden, his donkey turns right, right off to the path. He, he allegedly can make God move on their behalf, but he can't make his donkey even go straight. So it's gotta be frustrating. And so what does he do? He beat it to get it back on the road. He beat the donkey. So that's the first time. Now, then the angel of the Lord so, okay, he's not listening to me. So he stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. So now we're going basically through like a tunnel. There's walls on both sides and an angel positions himself right in the middle. So what happens? When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. How many of that was a fun experience? So he beat the donkey again. I see a recurring pattern here. Now Balaam continues to push through this roadblock, this roadblock that God's put in the way. And it says, then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no possible way to turn, either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam and he was angry and he beat it with his staff. So the third time now, can you imagine the embarrassment, the frustration of this guy? These people are all watching him. Now all of a sudden his donkey just lays down on the road. And so he starts beating the donkey with his staff. Let's keep going. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? <coughs> How can you blame the donkey? I mean, come on, what, what, what's the problem? The Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, how many of you are glad the Bible is entertaining and it's, it's good for us? And if you're like me, you're like, what in the world? How in the world, is this even true? Could God actually open the donkey's mouth? And it's kind of bizarre, but I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that God actually parted a Red Sea. He allowed a virgin to have a baby. Uh, he caused Jesus to raise from the dead. Why wouldn't he be able to open a donkey's mouth? And he does this, and it's bizarre, and it's crazy. It's strange that this donkey talked to Balaam. But you know what's even stranger? Is that the donkey could see what God was doing, but the prophet, the man of God, couldn't. The donkey saw something that the man of God didn't. As I was reading this and trying to make sense of the story, I thought, you know, we actually do the same thing, don't we? God has placed people in our lives. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a, a friend that's, that's willing to step up, that's willing to say the hard things, that's willing to point out when maybe we're, we're moving in a way that isn't good for us or maybe is outside of God's will. And so often, instead of listening to and heeding their instruction, we take it out on them. We get frustrated with them. 
You know, that's what I love about small groups around here is a place where we open ourselves up and say, man, I want, I want to live out God's will in my life. I want to accomplish all that he has for us. So we surround ourselves with people that can speak into our lives. But a lot of us aren't very good at that. I know I'm, I'm, I often struggle with that. Lisa and I, not long ago, we were with some friends, pastor friends, and at dinner and hung out. We were in Nashville about a year ago. And we were coming home uh, that night, went into the hotel room, and she was like, hey, I feel like there's, I feel like there's something off with one of the couples that we were with. And I was like, What's, what, do you, what do you mean? She was like, I just, I don't know. I sense that something's going on. We probably should reach out and, and, and encourage them. And, and I kind of brushed it aside. I said, yeah, I didn't notice it. I, you're, you're, I, you might just bad burritos. Let's, if, if we see it again later, we'll, we'll reach out. Well, about three months later, this pastor resigned his church. And about three months after that, announced that he and his wife were, were getting a divorce. It's like, man, why didn't I listen to my wife? Sometimes God puts people in our lives they see some things, they know some things. We gotta get better at listening to them. Maybe you lead a business and, and there's somebody on your team. Maybe you're more of a visionary leader and you've got somebody on your team that's, that's more cautious and they say, hey, I, I want you to pay attention to some of these signs that, that maybe there's some issues that we need to know about. How, how do you treat that person? Do you punish them for speaking up? How do you treat the the person in your life that speaks up about the things that maybe God wants you to hear about. We gotta get better at that, especially in the church. I'm afraid that we've kind of become so sensitive to each other that we either just ignore each other, ignore the, the warning signs that are going on in other people's lives, or we just move on to a new set of friends, move on to a new church, because we don't like it when people speak the hard truths in our lives. Look what Galatians says to us. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should ignore it and just let them fall into it. I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's the Josh substandard perversion of this verse. It actually says, you should gently and humbly help that person back on to the right path. Gently and humbly help that person on to the right path. I don't wanna offend you, but, but some of us, God has positioned us much like this donkey in other people's lives. He's allowed you to see some things that others can't see. Our role is to gently and humbly lead people back on to the right path. I thank God that at Seacoast we have a, a board of trustees that is led by Byron Davis here in our church. And there have been times in, in the life of our church where we were going after a direction and this board of trustees has stepped up. I remember one time we bought some land off of the uh, off 526. Some of y'all were in our church at that time when we thought that God was gonna move us over to 526. And the vision was great, we were excited about it, except for uh, some of the people who analyzed things a little bit more clearly came to us and said, listen, I know that this is, we've communicated to the church, I know this is gonna be hard to, to do, but, but the traffic plans aren't gonna work there and it's gonna take hours to get people in and out of the campus and, and we don't think this is a direction that God's called us to take. And talk about a hard step, talk about a hard and bold move to speak that up. But I thank God that there are people in this church who have spoken up, who've said things that have allowed us to, stay on the path that God has for us. Well, what about you? How easy is it for the people that you love to tell you the truth? Is there maybe somebody in your life that you just need to ask for some input? Say, hey, do you see anything in my life that I need to know about? What a great question to ask somebody. Do you see anything that that I need to see, that maybe is ultimately gonna hurt me, that I, I'm blind to, 
right now? I wanna encourage you to do that. Let's get good at, at telling each other the truth in love. So, it's never a good idea to be against what God is for. Often God will set up some roadblocks for us because he loves us. Third thought is don't beat the messenger. Don't, don't hurt the people who bring it to us. One last thought. This is my favorite one of all of them. It's never too late to get back on the right path. It's never too late to get back on the right path. Look how the story ends. It says, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. You know my prayer this weekend as I've been praying and studying for this message is that this weekend, the Lord would open some of our eyes to some things going on. He didn't know, he wasn't sure, but then the Lord opened his eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. And so what did he do? Did he make excuses? Well, well no, no, he bowed down low and he fell face down. It says the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? Don't, don't ever let anybody tell you God's not for the animals. He says, you know, why, why have you been beating your donkey? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. I've come to oppose you, not because I don't love you, not because I don't want good things for you, but because the path that you're on right now is a reckless one. And, and it's, it's, it's gonna ultimately hurt you. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now but I would have spared it. He says, Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize that you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. I will go back. You know, there's a word that the Bible uses in, in the New Testament. It's, it's called repentance. It's kind of a church word, but literally what it means is a willingness to go back, a willingness to turn around, to turn away from our sin. And Balaam says, God, I'm so sorry. I'm willing to go back right now. But this is what I love about the story. God doesn't make him go back. God reconciles his situation. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, no, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. See, so often when we get to these places of repentance, these places of our eyes being opened, some things that are going on in our lives, we repent and we think that we're gonna have to start over. But what I love about God is he often doesn't make us start over. He takes where we are right now and he just weaves it right back into his path. So ultimately Balaam would go to this king and he would stand his ground and he would speak for the Lord and he would actually speak blessing over the people of Israel that initially he was going to curse. He would actually speak hope and truth and he would actually prophesy about the coming savior, Jesus. An incredible story of God weaving some bad choices, some maybe missteps along the way and weaves them right back in to his will. Can I encourage you today? Just ask the Lord, would you open my eyes? Is there anything going on that I need to know about? Lord, am I maybe potentially on a, a path that, that you've called me not to be on? Would you open my eyes? He takes several wrong choices that Balaam made and he weaves them right back into his path. I believe he wants to do the same for some of us. I don't know about you, but when I read stories like this, especially in the Old Testament, hearing about God's wrath, and I mean, even the fact that had that donkey not intervened, Balaam was gonna die. Like, man, why? Why, I, why would God do that? Why, why would God's wrath be poured out in such, such a way on, on, on his people? And somebody told me this week, a great pastor friend of mine, that the greatest revelation that any of us can ever have 
is what God has spared us from, is that God has spared us from the full penalty of our sin. And, and when we come across, especially in the Old Testament, as we read these stories and we see these things that maybe we don't understand, I'd encourage you to let your mind go back to Jesus, to the fact that the Bible says the wages of sin, all sin, is death. That that's the penalty for sin. But the gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ. That he sent Jesus to die for all of our sin so that he could take our, our mess and he could turn it back into an incredible story. Some of us need to receive that gift even this weekend. Would you pray with me as we close? God, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you for, Lord, this bizarre, crazy, messed up story buried in the Old Testament, God, that you would use it this weekend, Lord, to reveal your truth in our lives, Lord, to bring some of us back onto a path that ultimately leads to life. So God, my prayer for all of us today is that you would open our eyes. God, that you'd allow us to see the things in our life that maybe uh, we've been blind to up to this point, maybe we've just been ignoring to some degree, and that you would cause our hearts to respond as Balaam did, Lord, to humble ourselves, to repent of our sin, Lord, and to be willing to surrender to your will. God, I love you. I thank you, Lord, that your love for us is so great so deep, God, that we have a loving Father, Lord, that would spare us from the, the pain and the, the wages of our sin, Lord, that you would lead us into life everlasting. And I pray that you would do that this weekend in Jesus' name, amen.